right, left, right, no. Table. Okay, good. I, I heard chair. I heard some other answers out there. Red. Green. There's not just an actual one there, but red and green are complementary colors, right? That's, that's good out there. Sleep. Okay, I like that. That's good. Got an answer. Church. Oh, did you hear? There's a lot of weird answers out there. How many of you hesitated for a moment when you heard the word church? I kind of admit it. You, you, nothing just kind of like popped in your mind. Okay, that's okay. How many of you, something popped in your mind right away? Okay. How many of you, it was a positive thing that popped in your mind? Did anyone have a negative thing pop into your mind? Now, I, I played this game with some coworkers. Yeah, you can imagine what that's going to look like, right? And I got some answers. I got answers like preacher, priest, boring. <laughs> why? One person said, why? Very interesting, the responses you get. Now, we want to talk about church today. And we're talking about it in our series on how God sustains us. One of the interesting things is, and, and was pointed out by somebody a long time back, in fact, to me, that said, hey, you know what? If you look in the Gospels, you only see the word church three times. Jesus speaks them in two different passages in Matthew. He didn't talk much about the church, so it must not be important. I go, what about the other 144 times you find it in the rest of the New Testament? I think there's, there's something you want to look at there. But Jesus didn't talk about church because he talked about something else. Do you know what it was? Some of you know. Say it again. The kingdom. The kingdom of God and a couple places, the kingdom of heaven. If you take Bethel class, guess what? You talk a lot about the kingdom, right? Why would Jesus talk about the kingdom versus talk about church? Who is Jesus? I heard God. I think I heard Messiah. Yeah, he, he, to the people, he was the Messiah. At least that's what they were asking. Is this really the Messiah come as promised. And it would be natural because what were the people looking for? They were looking for the restoration of the kingdom of David. They want to kick out the Romans and the other people that have kind of controlled them for a while and bring in the kingdom. So he started to talk to them about the kingdom. That's what they're looking for. Oh, yes, here it is. This could be the one. But he started to teach about the kingdom in a way that was confusing to the people. It was kind of an upside-down kingdom. The first should be last. Wait a minute. That, I see the line. I don't know if that works for me. The last should be first. You, if you want to gain your life, you give it up. But Jesus' teaching about the kingdom was to help them to understand that what they were looking for, a political answer to their problems, was not what God was going to bring. He was going to bring the real answer to their problems. We want to take a look a little bit about church first. We're going to define it. We're going to look at it. And then we're going to talk about how the church sustains us. Now, I don't control anything here. Of course, that's the same in my household. I don't control a whole lot anymore. I just do whatever Gwen says, and that it turns out right that way if I do listen to her. But we're going to talk a little bit about sustaining. Now, if you have the, the Bible app, if you're, if you're new here, the U version, you can actually go to the events section down there, and you can actually see all the slides. What I do every week is up in the upper right-hand corner, there's the save button. 
I push it and save it so I can go back to all of the messages. Because unfortunately, and it's not our fault, it is you version, the, the sermon will be gone tomorrow. So you want to go ahead and save it so you can look at all those scriptures and go back over there. I actually take notes in there on my iPad so I can go back and remember things that were said because guess what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, today I might remember it because I've been working on this for a while, but sometimes I go, what was that sermon about? Or what did he say there? And I can go back and look at it. So I like that. But we're going to talk about sustain, how God sustains us. And I can't say words. That word's not coming to my mind right now. That's okay. But we want to talk about this first word, ecclesia. So go ahead and bring that up on the screen. Ecclesia. This is the word that's translated church in the New Testament, but also there there was a copy of the Old Testament that, remember it was written in Hebrew, where they translated into Greek because so many people wrote Greek. And so that was the same word talked about for the congregation of Israel. So it says up here, the ecclesia, now this this is your Greek study for the day, probably for the year, we don't talk a whole lot of Greek. Ecclesia is the, from the Greek, ecclesia. Guess what? There's just, they don't have any C's in Greek. That's why there's K's. Where the word is a compound of ek, a proposition, a preposition, meaning out of, and a verb, kaleo, signifying to call, literally to call out, or the called out ones. And in Christian theology, it means both a particular body, like us, the body of faithful, as well as the entire body of faithful throughout time and, and wherever you are in the world. But ecclesia has that, that concept of calling out, the, the ones who were called out and responded. And I like that term because really, we have been called out of something into something else. We're going to look at a definition. This is my definition. So if you don't like it, or if it you look up Webster and he goes, well, that's not what Webster says. Or you look up some theologian, well, that's not what they say. Well, we're going we're gonna to go with Ray's definition for right now because it's going to help tie our sermon together, okay? So here's our, our definition that's going to come up here. So go ahead and get to the one that says the church. There we go. So here's my working definition. The church is the supernaturally empowered living organism that is made up of all those called out of darkness into God's glorious light and who act as salt and light to enlighten the fallen world and preserve God's creation. All of those who are called out, and and, and we're going to look at each of these phrases and take a look at some scripture that relates to that, okay? So the first scripture is going to relate to this supernaturally empowered. And it's coming from Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. This is one of the two places where Jesus uses that word ecclesia, or when it's in the scripture in, in Matthew, it says ecclesia. It says, and Jesus answered him. Now, we got to go back a little bit, because remember, in no verse you take it just out of the blue. You want to go back, well, what's Jesus responding to? And Jesus had asked his disciples, well, who do men say that I am? And you got all kinds of responses. Well, you're the prophet, and you're the Messiah. You're, you're all kinds of things you're the king that's coming, you know, we're going to mess up the Romans, we're going to take our kingdom back. And then he asked them, who do you say I am? That's a real important question, isn't it? You talk to the world, they're gonna, you're going to get all kinds of answers about the world. Just like when I said church, I got some various weird answers. But it's important, is how, who, who, who do you say he is? And Peter responded, you are the Christ or the Messiah, 
the Son of the living God? Good answer. Good answer. And then Jesus responded and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you had a Catholic background, you recognize that what, what Catholics will say is that this corresponds to Peter. Peter's the rock I'm going to build my church on. He's the first pope, and that's how they kind of justify the papacy. But really what Jesus said is this confession is what I'm building my church on. We, we talk in our theology program classes about essentials and non-essentials. What's essential to salvation? And one of the essentials is the recognition of the divinity of Christ, who he is, and that he is the one who atoned for our sin. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and the part that, that I wanted to point out on there, go ahead and leave that, that verse back up there. The part I wanted to point out was the end. Because when I first studied this verse many, 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 many years ago, I looked at this and said, you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I thought, wow, I'm protected. Like, God, Satan can't get to me because of God's power being there. And that is a true statement. We can find tons of verses about that, but that's not what this verse states, is it? Where's the gates of hell? Well, it's those things that Satan has control over, right? You'd have the walled city with a... But wherever Satan has control, guess what? God gives us the power to break through that wall, break through that gate. Satan cannot prevail against God's power. As a church, guess what? We don't have to be afraid. We have the power of God that can help us to break through any barrier. As Jeff talked about, we talked about brokenness a few weeks ago. That brokenness that we have in there, guess what? God repairs it, and then he gives us the strength to be able to overcome those things that are strongholds in our lives. doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. But the power of God, the power that we have, both as individual followers of Christ and as a church, will allow us to break through the walls that Satan wants to put up for us. Isn't that great news? Isn't it? It's great. Let's look at the next verse. This is coming out of Acts chapter 1. Remember, it's hard, unless you put yourself in, the, in someone else's shoes, but just think about it. You had these followers of Christ, especially the 12 disciples, one of them, yeah, they went astray. But they really put their whole life into the fact that this was really the Messiah. Look at how he taught. Look at the miracles he did. Everything's going the way we expected to go. And then he's crucified. He's gone. What did the disciples do at that point? Do you remember? Somebody, again, you can always talk to me up here. What did he do? What did they do? They hid. Because they figured, I'm next, right? They didn't recognize the power that's there. In fact, it was because the power was coming. So they hid away thinking it was over. And then Christ comes back from the dead. He appears to them. He teaches on them. And he says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In other words, the power that you are going to have comes from 
God's own self, his Holy Spirit, and you are going to do things you could never imagine. Look at what happens after Pentecost. Going through the book of Acts, you know, I'm a teacher type. I would love to go through about two hours of classes with you right now. They don't give me that much time. I can't do that. But if you look at that, what you really see is that Peter stood up. He was hiding away, and guess what? He's out there boldly proclaiming. He's challenging the authorities. Stephen, he actually suffered and died for his faith, but he stood up and said, no, this is what is happening. You just killed the Messiah, and they stoned him for it. They killed him. The power that you see through the rest of the Gospels, or through the rest of the Acts and the Epistles, is tremendous. In fact, it's one of the proofs, the fact that that power that came out of there shows the justification that Jesus was who he said he was. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let me ask you a question. Has the Holy Spirit come upon you? Yes. Why? Because you have accepted Christ as your Savior and this, the Holy Spirit is the seal of the promise. You have power inside of yourself that you can't imagine. You can try to imagine, and sometimes that will blow us away, but those things that seem like they're, they're tremendous obstacles that you could never overcome that difficulty. Do you have enough power in you to overcome that difficulty? You know, we might not overcome it right away because we might not kind of open ourselves up to the power that exists there. We might have held back from God. Jeff talked last week about how when we're focused on ourselves. We don't see that power working through us as much as when we focus on God. But the power that we have is tremendous. It's a supernatural power that God infects us with, both as individual Christians and especially his church. Let's talk about this idea that we're a living organism. So the church is, is that supernaturally empowered living organism. You ever think of yourself as an organism? Well, if you're a human being, of course, you're an organism, right? You've got all the pieces together. You all function, you eat, you grow, all that good stuff. But a lot of times we get kind of like what the Israelites did. They kind of got wrong what the kingdom was all about, focusing on the political aspects rather than on what God really wanted to do spiritually in the world. And there are times we start to think of the church as an organization or a corporation. And I know within the elder board, often somebody will say, wait, we're not an we're not a corporation, we're the body of Christ. Looking at the power that's there. Let's look at this verse in 1 Peter 2.5. It says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, when he talks about living stones, think about a house. I, I like to watch those those shows on on hdtv you know where they're they redo the house and they you know it was really looking garbagey and now, oh it's a beautiful house and but but what do they do well they they put things on top of each other right they, they build up a home and and when we think about the, the body of christ that's another name for ecclesia also being that temple or that home that god's building think about those individual blocks guess what we're all individual blocks in that metaphor and guess what? What do we need to have in order to be functionally good for what God wants to do? Well, we need salvation. That's for darn What's that? Foundation. foundation. Christ is the foundation and cornerstone. 
And then he puts those blocks together, and guess what? If I'm a block sitting up here, I'm sort of dependent on the blocks here, aren't I? And if I'm block up here, I'm dependent on the blocks here. In other words, he builds us up together in dependency to one another. We rely on one another. We're going to see that even more so in some other scriptures. And we're not just a static thing that's just sitting there going, okay, I've got my position. I'm holding up those bricks. But it's an active living organism that's functioning for God's purposes. Let's take a look at the next verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 through 27. And, and 1 Corinthians 12, I, yeah, I want to teach the whole thing. Sorry, I can't do that. But really, it's that whole idea of what God has done for us. He's, he's given us spiritual gifts. He's empowered us. We're, we're the body of Christ. We're, and all the pieces are functionally necessary for the organism to exist and to grow and to be what God wants it to be. And he says in these verses, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now, if you look at the rest of that chapter, there's a couple of problems that we can produce being part of the body. We, we can go, look, I'm the toenail on the little toe of the right foot. What good am I? I mean, how, how do I help the body at all, okay? Or we could say, look, I'm the eye. I, get, I see stuff you don't know. You, you know, yeah, down there, you're not that important, but man, I'm, I'm really important. So, so you see, we, we could start to downgrade ourselves saying, what it is that I am within the body isn't all that important. Or we can start to get prideful, going, look at me, I'm so good. Neither one of those is where God wants us to be. What he says in this chapter is, look, if it wasn't for the fact that you had the, like the big toe, you couldn't function as well as you could. If it wasn't for the thumb, I, I saw a, a special one time where a, a fireman lost his thumb in, in an accident. And he couldn't, you, you can't, and that's one of the things that makes us human is we can do this. No, that's a good thing. We can grasp things. Other animals ne don't necessarily do that. Well, he actually had his big toe removed and placed here as a thumb to be able to function the way he's supposed to function so he could do his job as a firefighter. Otherwise, he couldn't be a firefighter. And he recognized at that point how important that having, you know, that thumb was. That you wouldn't think it's all that important, but it is. And each one of us actually has a specific role within the body of Christ. And unless you're doing the thing that God appointed you to do, we all suffer. You can individually suffer, but we as a body suffer when we're not all functioning the way God's put us out there. We need each other. We're a living organism. We need all the pieces. Let's look at the, the next phrase is out of, called out of darkness into light. And we're going to look at 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He used those other phrases in that other verse from, from Peter talking about how we're this race and a royal priesthood and kind of helping the people who were from the Jewish background, understand the importance of that. Because not everybody was a priest who was an Israelite. Only the Levites, you know, only a certain section was. But as Christians, we all have that function to serve and to honor God. And the reason we do is because God has called us out of darkness 
into light. How many of you have ever crunched your toes into a wall at night trying to go somewhere? I, I see those. Boy, you, you realize, I, and I, it usually happens to my little toes for some reason. I don't know how I do that. They're not sticking out as far. But you hit your little toe, and you know, I need that toe. That toe is important because it hurts. And if that little piece of my toe hurts, the rest of me hurts. No, and that's how it is within our body. When there's suffering in our body, the body comes around to help heal that because when one member hurts, all members hurt. It, it really functions that way as a living organism. We're called out of darkness, though, so that we can see the light. But this other part of that is so that we can proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out. Who do we proclaim the excellencies to? Guesses? Who do we proclaim to? Say it louder. Everyone, yes. We proclaim it to each other. Testimonies, that was something that we did in the old days a lot. We get up and we just have people testify about what God has done for them. We're testifying of God's greatness and glory to build up our faith. We also testify to who? That, that, those dreaded two words, our inner circle, okay? Those people who are close to us, our family, our friends, our co-workers, those who are around us, we look for those opportunities to say, look what God has done for me. This is marvelous. We proclaim His excellencies. Let's take a look at one more verse in Ephesians 5, 5 through 7. Now, this one's a little smaller, so if you're getting older like me, I have to get closer to the screen to see it. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Okay, he's talking in the verses before this about those who do certain activities that are called darkness. He says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And what I really like is verse 8. He says, at one time you were not in the darkness, but you were darkness. But now you are light. Because we're showing forth the light the glory and the power of God to a world that is darkness. No wonder we stand out, right? There are times at work that I see an opportunity and there's a little voice in the back of me that says, shut up, don't, don't do that, don't talk about that. You're going to be exposed as a Christian kind of thing, you know. But, you know, uh, that voice, I, I, I shut it off a long time ago, and, and I'm famous for in meetings. I'll, I'll be saying things. Like, yeah, it kind of reminds me of something I was teaching on Wednesday nights about, and then I would talk about my theology class. Or somebody was, will be talking, and, and right away, can I really pray for you, you know, and I'll have my church pray for you. And so I look for those opportunities to say, hey, let's, let's shed a little light out there. Let's give a little hope. We had a lady that just went in for some major surgery, and and, and she, I've known her for at least 20 some odd years and so we went to the side and I, I just said look I, I'm going to be praying for you I, I'm going to have my church and my elders pray for you but can I pray for you right now and right there in the building I, I put my arms on her shoulder and I prayed for her now we could be scared to do things like that and maybe in your workplace that's, that might not be appropriate to make the, that kind of physical contact I know there are some places where you just don't touch people 
but it's always appropriate to pray. It's, it's like you look for the opportunities to share your faith in some way or another with others. Let's look at the next verse. Again, we're going to be looking at about, we're called out of the darkness, and it says, to become salt and light in the world. We've all been talking about light, but let's look at this famous passage, what Matthew 5 is, part of the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall, it be salt, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Again, just showing this is our purpose as both individually individuals who have been brought out of darkness, but as a church to make sure that we're showing our light to others. I think that I have... Well, we're going to do one more about being salt and light. I'm just going to read through it real quickly. Coming out of Philippians 2, 14 through 16. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And that was really Paul's heart saying, I want to make sure I did everything I could to help you to be doing everything you can, to be equipped to be the presence of Christ in the world. So we have seen basically, at least through my definition, what the church really is. A supernaturally empowered living organism that's been called out of darkness into his light so that we can be salt and light in the world and bring that, that light to the world as well as to preserve the world through our presence. And we could ask, well, then how does the church sustain us? Or how do we become sustained in the church? I think all the verses we just read, guess what? Talk about that. But let's look at some specifics too. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And this whole chapter on, on 1 Corinthians 12 is really talking about how, how God has equipped us to do the works of service and to support one another. In other words, he sustains us through the church by each other or through each other. Of course, it's through his power, it's through his salvation, it's through his glory, but really he utilizes each other to do that sustaining work that he has out there. Uh, there's an old expression back in my cynic days, I used to say, you know, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. Well, sometimes we, we in the church, I, there's some tough times sometimes, and sometimes I go, oh, God, I just want to worship you, I don't want to have to deal with that, or I don't want to do you know what? Those are the very things God's trying to use to get those little things off of me that are, are wrong. To, to beat up against me like a stone rubbing off and kind of making me smoother because I've got prickly parts. And people come up close to me, they could get pricked by it, right? Well, he wants to get that off of there. And sometimes those things that we think are so bad are the things God's using to create in us the image of Christ. But I couldn't do it if it wasn't for everyone that was around me. 
And sometimes I recognize I was the one that was <laughs> being, mo being used by God to help somebody else because I was being an irritant. I don't want to be an irritant, but sometimes we are. It goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, 11 through 13. He says, And these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who, appro who appropriations to each one individually, at, who appropriates to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink from one spirit. So even though we're individuals, we have individual roles, we are one. And that's where the power really relies, on the oneness of the body of Christ. Yes, we can disagree about certain things. Uh, on my theology program classes, we're talking about some issues that people have different sides to it, and that's okay. But we all are under the one spirit trying to study what God wants and what he's teaching. And we're loving one another through the process. It's really good. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. This is one of the verses that helped me the most when I was going through the most difficult times of my life through depression and through doubt and through difficulties. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and, and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experienced when you patiently endured the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comforts. It really shows that connectedness. In fact, the first part talks about how God comforted me or helped me through my difficulties. How did he do that? Probably through the body of Christ, through those around me who said, Ray, I, I want to come beside you. I, I see your pain. Or Ray, I think you've got a blind spot here. I need to talk to you about this. Last week when Jeff talked about, you know, the fact that he, he'd seen miracles happen in his life, guess what? Many of those that I know about were because of the body of Christ. He utilizes us to support and encourage and lead and bring to, to fruition the work that he started in us. This is what the body of Christ is. This is how he sustains us through all things. I, I look at the clock on the wall, I see red with zeros. What does that mean? I got another 15 minutes. No, no, it doesn't mean that at all. <laughs> I want to do one more thing. There are passages in Scripture, there's a particular word in the Greek, we're not going to go over it, but it, it's about one another. It basically translates to one another. And I'm going to read quickly through pieces of 59 passages. And they're, they're going to get displayed on the wall, and I, I pity the people in the back who have to follow me. But I'm just going to read pieces of those quickly. I'm not going to even mention the scripture verse. If you want these at some time, let me know. But I, the one and other passages just thrill me. And, and, and these are taken in order of where they appear in the scripture. Yes, there are repeats. Here we go. We're going to start with the first one. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. 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 
Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you, instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When you come together to eat, wait with each other. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Love each other. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up in love. Encourage one another daily. Spur one another toward love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Love one another. 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 That's how God sustains us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. But more than that, God, we thank you that you have found us, that you searched for us, and that you brought us out of darkness into your light so that we can become light for others, Lord. And I ask God right now, Lord, if there are those here right now who are struggling, maybe they have questions in their mind or they have difficulties, that they will search out the body of Christ to confess, to, to, to share their struggles so that we can come, across, come with each other, God, and see you sustain us and grow us as you wish us to do, Lord. We pray.